Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golo Jr. That is me, back for another Wilder Wednesday. Our dear friend, Charlotte Wilder. Char, how you doing? I'm phenomenal, Mike. Thanks for thanks for letting me come back every week. It's really nice of you. No, thank you for joining us every week. Uh, you guys, obviously, as we told you last time, in addition to downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast, because we have another great show for you yet again and checking us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel, also make sure you subscribe to Charlotte Wilder's uh blog the wilder things uh is it dot substack am i i always get this wrong with blogs yes it is you know what i'm gonna double check because sometimes yes it's the wilder things dot substack dot com um and it's my silly little newsletter um no i'm not gonna call it my silly little newsletter it's my very important big fun blog that i email to you if you give me your email and um i promise i won't invite you to like any zoom meetings or i don't know mike what do people with real jobs use email for i'm like never sure what anybody's doing if you know they have a real job i think they're usually circling back i think that's (laughs) what most job emails require is circling back or hoping that you're finding people well even though you know they're not well they're not well at all nobody's well nobody's well but you still need to uh loop in and put a pin in it and uh as you said circle back exactly and like you said you basically 
I always think it's very interesting, like the idea that you just talked about, like a blog, it's supposed to be this thing that people go to and find everyone, but you're right. You've reversed polarity as has just newsletters in general. You'll literally go and bring it to them. Like you're going to oh, yeah. hand deliver it to their email, slinging this thing out the trunk. That's service with a smile. That's the Charlotte <laughs> Wilder difference. Slinging this thing out the trunk. Yeah. You know, my grandmother was very excited um, that she would no longer have to like search the internet to find my stuff. And it just, it, it's both, um, it's nice, I think, to know that it just goes to people, but it's also terrifying um, because I know that the minute I hit, like, send to everybody, everybody has an email from me in their inbox. And there's, like, really no grace period to post something, read it a few times, like, fix anything, and then and then decide to, like, tweet it out or put it on Instagram. And this one, it's like, you hit that button and everybody's going to be able to open it they're going to be able to open it and it's going to actually be from you like that is the other difference between some of the corporate services like you know how Mm -hmm. with peloton if you don't go on for a while they'll send you an email or even if you do they'll send you emails and it's technically from the instructors i have a friend whose dad firmly believed that the instructors (laughs) were sending him emails like oh yeah kendall tools just emailing me or just sims is emailing me personally because they want me to come back to class which is an incredible flex to think that highly of yourself Allie love is just reaching out to your friend's dad being like sir we missed you please come back (laughs) (laughs) please paul it's been weeks everyone around hq is begging for you to come back here for the love of god i've been trying to shout you out and your name is nowhere to be found on the leaderboard mike i don't know if you can tell i just got a peloton i'm very excited about it oh you've taken the plunge huh you were you were the one that did you resist during the pandemic and then decide in life after that you were going to be a peloton person Yes, I did it completely ass backwards. I was like, I mean, I think I just got frustrated in a New York winter. Um, You know, I'm for some reason, my body decided that running is like not an option anymore. And so I was like, well, I need to do something. And I can't just like walk in the darkness when I'm already really sad and like not break a sweat. So I just went for it. And it's been really nice. Have you have you found yourself majoring in a certain type of ride? Because everyone, whether it's instructor base or the kind of mm-hmm. music that you use, generally tends to find themselves folk. Have you had it long enough to find your niche, like your crowd of people on there? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I do. I love a twenty minute alley love, nineties mm. or nineties hip hop, or sometimes she does these just like really fun pop ride. I mean. You know, you find your you find your lane, you stay in it. And um, although today I really veered veered out of things, and I did a Kendall Tool '90s ride. So you know, don't say I can't surprise you. You want dynamic? Charlotte's a chameleon. <laughs> I'm with you. The '90s pop ones were always good. Obviously, like hip hop or hard rock. But I also would usually con myself into Mm -hmm. thinking that the recovery ride still counted the same as everything else. Like, oh, I'm not going to get out of the saddle today, but I moved and sweated, so that still definitely counts is the lie I constantly told myself. Oh, the low-impact rides. The best. The absolute best. I also like a Tabata ride if I want to pretend that I worked out really hard. That Tabata, it absolutely will. It's like the Peloton version of splashing water on yourself in the bathroom because you just leak sweat. (laughs) I also enjoy... 
because they come with the little like three pound weights, I'll do the yes. rides that have little arm combos with them. <laughs> and I would pay pay-per-view prices to watch the people. When I have my Peloton in Connecticut, I would have it in a room where there were a fair amount of windows so that people uh -huh. would know that I worked out as they walked around in the neighborhood. And to Necessary. see some poor bastard's eyes walking by, seeing me with three pound pink weights doing like overhead shoulder press or tricep stuff would be incredible. And I almost Look, I, never wore shorts. Like I would do the, um, I would do the full-on leggings, but yes. I would do it like a woman, where I don't have to wear shorts over the top of it. And so I was just in there going to town in the peloton in my den. Okay, I'm sorry, but the visual picture you just painted, I would pay good money for that. I would pay like above pay-per-view prices to see that happen i also i do believe i'm a big believer in the like small reps but a lot of them although i did read something recently that was like you should just be lifting heavier weights and i was like but i don't want to and this at least makes me feel like i'm doing it so can you just leave me and my three pound weights alone it's a great reminder everybody out there listening if you're doing anything you're doing more than most and that's a great place to start so make sure there you, you keep go. rocking with that the same way charlotte's <laughs> going to keep rocking with her peloton speaking of stuff that we will give you for free this is also a good time to tell people charlotte that as we are just a couple of weeks from the 2023 nfl draft you, myself, my dad, Michael Lombardi, and a number of other members of the DraftKings and VSIN family are going to be part of a big draft broadcast the night of. You're going to be able to see it streaming on the DraftKings YouTube channel, the DraftKings Twitter account, where we are all a big collection of bodies going to take everyone through the NFL draft. So very excited about that, Charlotte. You, me, and dad are all going to be in Boston kicking it at the DraftKings studio there, which means one thing above all else is we get to raid one of the more illustrious snacks stations and kitchenettes i have ever been a part of in a corporate setting no way oh it's phenomenal this is oh my god mike i haven't been there yet i'm so i'm even more excited than i was i mean first of all it's an honor to um you know i'm gonna one-up zach galifianakis because of instead of between two ferns i'll be between two golics and i actually can't think of a of a higher honor in sports media um but now that you've thrown the the snack equation what's the what's the savory to sweet ratio because that's important pretty solid mix of savory and sweet there's great options with that great bevy <laughs> options they've got cold brew on tap which i appreciate oh they've got the pebble ice too which is how you know they got money yep. so yep. all those things stack up really well um emerson lazia and uh jesse are both going to be there who we always talk with on the sweat julian edlow michael lombardi steve buchanan johnny avello a number of other people from different locations. We're not actually all going to be in Boston, but we're going to shepherd you through the first round of the draft. We're going to hold your hand through all of that and make sure you have a really good time, even if your team does something that you are going to spend the rest of your adult life regretting. Which, for our sake and the sake of content, uh, I hate to say it, I do hope that happens, Mike. I hope that I, somebody really blows it. <laughs> I mean, Charlotte, based on where we're already at in mock draft season right now... Oh, my God. And it's we're getting to the point now leading up to the draft itself where we we're in the part of the season now where every time something comes out I go we just need the draft to start tomorrow oh my god I was yes I was thinking that today I was reading a bunch of different ones and it you start it, it just jumps the shark at a certain at a certain point the Anthony Richardson is actually better than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud takes I mean I don't know where you fall on that 
shall we say spectrum um but i'm just like we need something actually to happen or like the rogers deal needs to go through or lamar needs to get figured out because we have to stop talking about mock drafts until it's the draft I know the Rogers thing, poor Schefter and L Duncan, I saw on the six o'clock sports center. And even they are sick of having to talk about this because they know you got to ask the question and they literally are both rolling their eyes as they have the interaction because <laughs> they know nothing has changed with the Rogers situation. Very little has changed with the Lamar Jackson situation, even with the draft stuff. Like, so now we've got the latest update was in DraftKings Sportsbook. Bryce Young is now the odds on favorite. Chris Mortensen over at ESPN came out the other day and said he believes Bryce Young is who the Panthers are going to target with the one overall pick that they traded up for. And so now Bryce is minus 300 in DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, Just a quick run of the odds of some of the other people here. Um, You've got him as the betting favorite to go one overall at minus 300. CJ Stroud at plus 200, Anthony Richardson at plus 2,000, and Will Levis at plus 6,000. So Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, really the only two in range there. You've got that. You've got all of the people supposing publicly now about CJ Stroud and would the Texans draft him because he's represented by Dave Mulligetta, the same guy who represented um, uh, Deshaun Watson. And Mm -hmm. that there'd be some bad blood between the franchise and that particular agent. And to add in on top of it, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN uh, NFL front office insider, who I love dearly. Mike T is such an awesome dude. Came out and shocked everybody on Twitter by saying he thought Hendon Hooker was going to end up as the best quarterback from this draft class, which... Love Mike. Love Hendon Hooker. Like, got to meet his parents before the uh, Tennessee-South Carolina game, where, unfortunately, was the game that he suffered the knee injury that's going to, in some ways, affect his draft stock. He's an excellent player, but he's also a player coming off a knee injury who plays Mm -hmm. in an offense that really does not translate to the NFL right now, even as they're meeting the college world more and more, and is also just a year younger than Lamar Jackson as he's coming (laughs) into the NFL. Like, I think he's all of 25 years old right now. And so all of those things work against your draft status. It's not to say that he's not going to be a good NFL player if he gets to the right opportunity. The thing that could be the bailout for Mike T is that maybe he falls far enough to get to a better situation since we know the top of the draft's not exactly where the good teams are. But Charlotte, even me trying to galaxy brain this take that's objectively a heater, there's no doubt. I don't need to try and rationalize it because I just don't believe it's true. (laughs) That's the point of draft season we're at. That's exactly the point. And you know what I think the the other point is, is that when I saw that, I found myself, I did galaxy brain myself into thinking it. I'm not going to lie. I, I went through, I was like, wow, you know, watching him play, it really was electric. Like he's an incredible player. He is older. So yes, you could argue that that shortens his window in the NFL. You could also argue that his emotional maturity and everything he has been through in his college career, which was six years long, maybe that actually sets him up to be in a better spot than a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young. And maybe um, this just ends up being true. And that's where I have to like step back and say, you know, what's really going on here? Am I leading with my heart or my head? Um, Because something is clearly off for all the reasons that you just said. Yeah, and you're right in what there is to like about Hendon, right? Makes quick decisions, is a big guy, is a really capable run threat. And 
having the games under his belt. That's the other thing mm-hmm. that's come up with the Anthony Richardson conversation and has kind of come up uh, by proxy through what we went through in San Francisco last year where you have right. Trey Lance versus the whole Brock Purdy phenomenon where Brock's a player that came in having played a ton of football while he was in college and manning yeah. the helm of an offense that did similar things. And so he comes in and the floor is probably a little bit higher. That's always the conversation we have around the draft. It's kind of why it's heartening for people that were college football fans that come to the draft because the draft is also this confluence of different people yes. coming at football from different <laughs> places. I'd have to imagine college football fans are kind of breathing a sigh of relief at the idea that Bryce Young, the player who of these quarterbacks we all saw and believed is the best of them as far as what he did in college, is now yeah. the favorite to be the number one overall pick. It's probably going to make college football fans feel like, all right, finally, people are seeing what we see because usually there's a lot of dissonance there. Well, well, that's sort of how I felt in in seeing that the Bryce Young to Carolina stuff is is looking good. I also like that Frank Reich in his in a press conference said he wasn't worried about the height thing, which is just to me it is such a ridiculous thing to have to say because like we watched this, we watched Bryce Young play his college career against people who are ostensibly similar size to the people in the NFL, and the fact that somehow all of a sudden like everybody's ten thousand feet taller, which. Sure, I get it. The best of the best go to the pros. Um, I just think like any question of measurement and like hands and all of that becoming a real factor and how good someone is when you've watched this person play football and and, and almost like I don't I don't I'm not going to compare Bryce to Mahomes because I I don't think that's accurate at all. But I think that there's a little bit of that spark that he has that when you watch him and you say, how is this happening? Even though I know Alabama season last year was not what they wanted it to be. Um, and I guess the year before, I don't know. There, it, it, It's the the eye test versus stats and all of that. And I think that it's been sort of nice to see some of that match up a little bit more than I feel like it has in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it it does. And I think what you talked about with him and Mahomes is – I was doing this with Spencer Hall earlier, who's obviously a great Mm -hmm. college football writer who's going to be doing a draft show over at ESPN. And he talked about how C.J. Stroud and what he thought of him as a problem solver was the way he phrased it. If I was going Mm -hmm. to do that, like a one-word distillation of who Bryce Young is and how that might connect to Mahomes, they're creators, right? Yes. They they find a way and they create within the body of the play sometimes, outside of the body of the play sometimes. They're able to put people in a position to do things the right way like being a creator for your offense is where those two because some people have to exist within the body of the offense they've got to work within the structure and that's the only way they know how to operate some of them can do it off script better than they can do it on script vice versa Bryce is one of those guys that can do it both ways the same way Mahomes can he doesn't do it with the same set of physical gifts but as far as the outcomes and the effects that he has other people that's probably how I would try and sum them both up as their creators on the football field yes I think that's right and I think with any anybody who is a creator in any sport really there's an element of magic to it there's an element of you you can't quite believe how it's happening and even as you try to understand the physics or you try to think how they saw 10 steps ahead of what you saw before any of it even happened and and that's what I love. Like that's when the athleticism starts to transcend into something 
closer to art. And I know that sounds so corny and like, so something I would say, but I really think it's true. Um, I also think it's sort of hilarious that right now, a lot of the mock drafts have Anthony Richardson, who is at Florida, um, going to the Tennessee Titans. Um, because I was at the Tennessee, Florida game. Um, and I asked a bunch of fans, I was like, you know, would you rather, beat Florida and lose the national championship or you lose to Florida and win a national championship. And a lot of them were rightly like, well, you can't do one without the other. But I was like, just, just go with me, like believe for a second. And almost every single person was like, I would much rather beat Florida. So I think that um, I love those little things about the draft too, that you've got the, the college is the one place where I think that rivalries really are still just as heated as they've ever been if if a little bit messed up because of how conferences have been aligned but when you get a good rivalry like that and you can you can get one of the guys to go to the other pro team I absolutely love it it's the best because then in the press conferences they're pressured into saying a bunch of nice things about an area they never would have before and vice versa for the fans because if Anthony Richardson were to wind up in Tennessee who seems more and more like they could be a player in this party people are going to forgive a lot of ills very quickly if he comes in and balls out now if it goes the other way we know how that works too (laughs) but if things were to go well yeah it's amazing how quickly people can let bygones be bygones when all of a sudden you're rowing the boat in the same direction and yes, so, it's a, go ahead. It's, a, it's, it's also when your team does something that if another team did, you would find reprehensible. It's like when I said all, all, all sports fans are hypocrites, it, it all rolls into that same category of fandom. And I think that's, I think that's the sweet spot, Mike. That is. And that's the sweet spot we're going to try and hit. So again, Thursday night, night one of the NFL draft, me, my dad, Charlotte, and everybody else we mentioned from the DK and Vison family. Check us out, the DraftKings social uh, social streaming. It'll be on the DraftKings YouTube channel streaming. All those great places. We're going to look great. We're going to be well-fed. It's going to be awesome. Also, uh, one more thing. The prodigal daughter returns to Boston for this. Wow, that's so true. I live I in New York. I hope they ready to roll but... out the red carpet for you. So do I. I If there's not a line of fans outside waiting for my autograph, I'm going to be really upset. There, Char- Boston, you heard. Charlotte Wilder <laughs> needs you to show up and show out. So let's make I'm that kidding. happen. Please, nobody nobody would ever. Don't, that, that's, that, that was a joke. Do you ever say a joke and then you're like, oh my God, I need to make sure everybody knew that was a joke. Oh my God. <laughs> what? Jokes being misconstrued on the internet? I'm like, please, yeah. everybody. I'm kidding. I don't think anybody would ever line up for my autograph. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Speaking of jokes on the internet, though, Charlotte, I do want to tap into something that you wrote 
on your Substack, which is about drama and sports. You're the one that's mm. pointed out that a lot of reality television, The Bachelor specifically, is sports. All of these places mm-hmm. that are drama without some of the same violence or physicality most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes that changes. But uh, as sports, you did a ranking of the most dramatic people in the week. And I want to hone in specifically and ask you because we are coming yes. off a weekend that had the Masters. We are coming off the lead into the NBA's playoffs that had plenty of drama who was the most dramatic person in sports this week? We've got a lot of compelling options between Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Lamar Jackson, the Masters, Jaden McDaniels. Like who stuck yeah. out to you? So I think, you know, I did this, I did this uh, you know, everybody's being so dramatic post um on my Substack. And I expanded it to not just sports because I was also thinking about it and I was like, oh my God, Easter and Passover are like the most dramatic holidays ever. Like everybody is doing the most all the time in both of those stories surrounding the holiday. Um and I also thought that, you know, Taylor Swift and and Joe Alwyn breaking I was like, I every time I looked at my phone, I was like, something's happening. I was like, I know. It, I know. It's always going to be too soon. Um, just, I'm oh, so, so sorry that I just so cavalierly walked us into that conversation. But I realized that I actually probably should have just done the whole thing about sports because there were other sports people that I didn't even get to who were so dramatic. Like, I think Phil Mickelson was sneaky dramatic at the Masters. Ooh. And I think that I should have talked about that because – he came, he was he was holding it second. Did he end up second finishing? He had, he ended up tied in second with Brooks Kepka. So Brooks went into right. the final day with a four shot lead and then came all the way back and ended up tying oddly enough with the other no, one of the other notable live golf names. Yes, w- right. And I I think I actually stopped watching it like the 17th hole cuz it was clear that Rom was going to win and I was with my family and was helping to make dinner. Um, but the fact that Phil, he was grinning, he looked happy. Um, he was clearly back, you know, on top in a way that I don't think anybody expected him to be. And to have that, everybody, we talked about this last week, Mike, everybody was saying like, there's not going to be drama between the PGA tour players and the live players. And sure, you can say that's true, but like, that's still the fact of it. And the fact that, that Phil and Brooks, who are probably golf's two biggest trolls, I think, mm. um, made it to were just hanging out there at the top. They didn't win, but they were hanging out there. I thought that was sort of sneaky dramatic, but I don't well, think they were the it, most dramatic people. I just had to get that off my chest. No, it makes sense. And Phil looked like a sort of noir character, too, that came out of black <laughs> and white just because he was covered in five o'clock shadow and looked like he hadn't seen the light in weeks. So that makes sense with him. Yes. OK, I'm, I'm glad you're on board. Um, I think that I would have to give it to Rudy Gobert and Draymond. I think they're tied. I think so. Everybody knows by now, but but Rudy Gobert punched Kyle Anderson on the bench um, because Anderson allegedly called Gobert a little bitch um, or just a bitch. It's unclear. Um, you have to put it in quotes like Woj did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how we all get away with cussing now is you just put it in quotes. Like, he was a bitch. Why yeah, anytime, anytime I swear, it's surrounded by air quotes, just so everybody knows. Um, but the, so he, he throws a punch, which... You know, I get, but you just, you can't really do that. Um, And then for Draymond Green to somehow make it about himself 
Because if anybody's not familiar with this story, um, when Draymond punched Jordan Poole much harder than Gobert and punched. actually in the face, as was established, yes. Gobert's punch was to the chest and also, yes. according to sources, did not have the intent to injure, which is also hilarious, but I digress. Right, also, we could unpack that for days, Mike, but anyway. Um, yeah, Draymond winds up, you know, smacks Jordan Poole in the face. It looks awful when it's leaked to, I believe, TMZ. And at the time, um, Rudy tweeted... Uh, insecurity is always loud, I believe. Yep. Um, and so when Rudy Gobert punches Kyle Anderson, Draymond tweets, insecurity is always loud, and immediately goes on his podcast, and I didn't even listen to it because it drives me so crazy. But the fact that he found a way to make this about him and that Gobert had, for he was dramatic in the first place to say that, about something that had nothing to do with him when Draymond punched Jordan Poole and then he punches someone and then it all, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is like, this is like Vanderpump rules where the drama is off the, is off the charts. Which is honestly why I kind of appreciate it from Draymond just because he is now in the content industry and he understands yes. this is a gold mine and he had the <laughs> foresight to basically have that tweet locked and loaded ready to go for if and when this day ever came. And so the long memory play, I always say, you know, luck preparation meets opportunity. Draymond <laughs> makes a lot of luck when it comes to content and I have to kind of tip my tap to him. He's also amazing at striking while the iron is hot. Oh, Yes, absolutely. He knows. Dray Draymond emergency pod green. Yes. Oh, my God. And people listen. And you know what? To that, I have to say congratulations. He drives me crazy, um, especially as a Celtics fan. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? I, th I think I think everybody did a really great job in terms of storytelling in the NBA last Sunday. And, you know, we're going to find out by the time everybody listens to this, we'll know whether the – Timberwolves are in the playoffs or whether they still have to fight for their for their season yeah a, a hilarious flex by them to to suspend him for the play-in game that shows you how little he means to that organization <laughs> because if he was actually a player that they wanted on the court he would be on the court because that's how sports works fights happen all the time among teammates like you mentioned yes. I don't think Draymond missed any games now that was in the preseason so I think he took some time away from the team but then conveniently never missed games so if they wanted him there he'd be there but he's not so I don't <laughs> think they not. do <laughs> but he's and. not and then Jaden McDaniels who punches a wall and he's out because he is uh, he fractured his third and fourth metatarsals, I believe is the medical term. So, I mean, what do you think is going to happen when you punch a wall? My brother did that before a freshman football game. We were getting ready to go oh, back no. and play the, the high school in the town we grew up in. And my brother was trying to fire up his team and ended up punching a concrete wall. And to oh, this day, God. still has a big-ass calcium deposit on the hand where he punched the wall. And he just put it in a cast and went out and played <gasps> with it. And I think still balled pretty hard because, you know, that was how he got down. But I've seen that play run before, and I knew that wasn't going to work out very well for Jaden. No, and I feel bad because I, I, I sound like I'm up here on my high horse as though I've never done that. I, I got very angry once and kicked a wall and like my toe was messed up for weeks and you know, it happens. I get it. It happens. Emotions are high, but I just think everybody, I think everybody did an amazing job. The trees at the Masters, Mike? Just deciding to go down. Just deciding they were done being trees. Straight up I drama. 
I mean, all of the weather at the Masters. You could say Mother Nature in Augusta, Georgia <laughs> qualified as drama because we had two days with rain delays. We had a soaked course, the trees falling. Thankfully, no one was hurt, so now we get to make jokes. That's how that stuff right. works. But Thank yeah, God. extra drama there on the weather side, no doubt. I also, Charlotte, think that one yes. understated bit of drama was, and we everyone talked about it. We even used it as the artwork for the podcast tweet one day. Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson tweeting a screenshot of his <laughs> FaceTime conversation with OBJ is God-tier trolling of the entire situation. I couldn't agree more. I also love there's a TMZ, a whole, a very long article about Lamar and Odell's night out together in Miami. It tells you exactly, they they ate at, let's see, I have it right here. They, um... <laughs> Well, funny you should mention, uh, I have it right here. Yes, oh, sorry. Let me just pull up my notes. I, uh, the OBJ, only thing I saw from them was the bottle service sign that said, Welcome Lamar and OBJ, which is flawless. Which, it's flawless. It's also so much funnier if you think of it as coming from the Ravens. Like Eric DaCosta sent this to the club. <laughs> yeah, this that bottle of Ace of Spades is courtesy of Eric DaCosta <laughs> and the Ravens front office. Enjoy, fellas. Yeah, and, and John Harbaugh. They just wanted you to have this. Like, the, the whole thing is so ridiculous. But listen to this TMZ article. Okay, are you ready? Um, uh, OBJ celebrated his new deal with the Ravens with a lavish dinner at the famed steakhouse Prime 112. 112? I don't Prime know. I'm yeah. From one <laughs> Miami Charlotte I'm, intensifies. Yeah. I'm so not the kind of person who would know what that is because I'm the kind of person who like eats Annie's in her Brooklyn apartment. Um, our sources tell us that Odell met up with his new QB, Lamar Jackson, at the steakhouse where they dined until almost 1.45 a.m. with a group of seven people. So then they go on Saturday, they go to 11. I do know that that's a nightclub in Miami. And then, so... They're seeing at the famed MIA nightclub and they have TMZ has all these like arrows pointing to with like OBJ and then it says Lamar. And so make sure you know exactly where in the blurry cell phone picture they are. Um, It's just really it's really next level stuff. They should have brought a football and thrown it around the club, too. Just really taking this to the umpteenth degree. So then we have Dan Orlovsky having to go on NFL Live and dissect Lamar's throwing motion inside 11. That's the world that I want to live in. So, But I, I just appreciate that in the middle of this whole situation where Lamar has been mm-hmm. tweeting through everything, been representing mm-hmm. himself through this entire ordeal, that he also knew he's like, oh, I can really get him hot and bothered with this. I can get the fan base juiced and just looking at the Ravens saying, how can you you not make this pairing happen. Look at all the good things that have gone on this offseason for us between Munkin and now the OBJ signing. Let's bring it home and make sure we don't mess this up at quarterback. It's all so wonderful and just so millennially executed. It really, it's so millennial. It's so millennial. It's like a little bit, it's like cringe enough, but also Lamar's right. Like he's what? right. Yes, like they should. He's... Like so, it, it's just this. It's really a little bit confusing for me as someone who um, is just generally embarrassed by my own presence on the internet to to watch somebody be correct and embarrassing at the same time. 
I know, and like you said, going all the way back to the draft content we're hoping to make, that's why we need Jim Ursay to come bursting through the door in a similar fashion <laughs> and throw yes. a fully guaranteed contract at Lamar Jackson before we get... T- we need that Tuesday of draft week so we can just walk into Thursday on Eagle's wings. This just lifting us. Our feet won't touch the ground walking into the DraftKings studio if that's the case. So help me God. So hopefully they can bring lips, that Mike. kind of drama. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, Um, I'm here for it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Charlotte, speaking of the outside sports drama, the other thing, and I was so (laughs) glad when I saw this because you and I hadn't actually talked about if we had been going with Love is Blind season four this season. And when I saw you mentioned Kwame as one of the people that had been very dramatic this week, I knew we were going to have something to talk about. Now, this is spoiler alert for everybody. We're going to talk about what's gone on in season four. If you're not up to date and ready for the finale that's coming, I believe, on Friday, and then the live reunion that's coming on Sunday, this is the part where you fast forward the pod. We've got the timestamps in to help you out. Except I will say that I I think what we're about to say, if you have not finished, if you're not up to speed with where we are, I don't think what what we're about to say will shock you because a lot of it you could kind of see coming. That is true. This hasn't been a season with a lot of thinly veiled danger. It's all been very apparent danger by and large, with a few twists. So let's. I I I made this helpful love is blind matrix. Oh my god! That explains the relationships on the show. Oh my god, Mike! What we what we've essentially got here is a breakdown of where we're at relationship wise on the show at this point and a little brief summary. So the couples paired off. We have for anyone unfamiliar with the premise again, love is blind. These contestants go into a warehouse. <laughs> they date in pods without being able to see each other propose sight unseen, and then spend the next couple of weeks seeing each other in reality and figuring out if love is truly blind. Spoiler alert. It almost never is. So we've got in the first uh, role here, Kwame and Chelsea, the pairing here. Kwame is a four, as was put by someone I saw on TikTok. Kwame is a former professional soccer player with zero stats that we can find who is engaged to a woman named Chelsea. You've got Paul, who's sort of a nerdy scientist type. Uh, engaged to a woman named Micah, who seems in no way, shape, or form... Like, they're an unlikely animal pairing YouTube video. That's the best way to describe <laughs> that. They should not exist together, but they do, and it actually kind of works well. Zach and Arena. Arena uh, is... In a conversation we're going to have about show villains, Marshall and Jacqueline, also, who kind of worked her way into villain territory by the end. Brett and Tiffany, who, if anything happens to them, I will lose my shit. 
and then Josh and Bliss who come into the game late. Josh with Jackie and then Bliss with Zach after him and Arena break up. So, Charlotte, first and foremost, what has been your favorite part of season four of Love is Blind so far? Oh, my God. My favorite part of – so – I'd want to preface this entire conversation by saying that I feel like my brain is untethered from my body when I watch this show because I watch this show and I analyze the, and I find myself analyzing the relationships as though they are real relationships, which sort of they are a little bit, but also it's so completely unhinged the entire premise that you, that you somehow when Nick Lachey comes in and he's like, will these couples prove that love is blind or will they never see each other again? It's like, well, actually you can still date without getting married. Like pretty easily, pretty easily. easily. And I think my overarching thought of the whole season is that love is blind has jumped the shark. Love is blind has gone the way of, which don't get me wrong. I still love it. I love Mm. it. I am, I am, I am Mm. fiending for the wedding episode. But I do think that Love is Blind in season four has, without a doubt, become one of those dating reality shows that people go on like The Bachelor for fame because they have something to promote. There's a reason they're there because otherwise it's just like how much torture can you put yourself through on how many embarrassing moments can you live in the public eye? And so... With that said, I think we've finally seen our first real villain on Love is Blind with Arena, um, who clearly isn't there to care about anybody. Um, But the reason that this show still works is because dating can be so awful that you say to people like, hey, we're going to match you. You're going to get a chance to talk to other people who say that they're really ready for a relationship. And like, maybe it's going to work. And the reason that dating shows are so absolutely brilliant is because dangling that carrot of love. It's like, even if there's a 1% chance, people are going to be like, oh, so you're saying there's a chance, even if they tell themselves that they're only on there for the influencing opportunities, that carrot is still just, just enough to keep us all believing that maybe it'll work out. And so I think my favorite my favorite part is Brett and Tiffany because oh, they are, re- because they're a couple where I look at and I'm like, oh my God, you guys are going to make it. If they don't make it, if this has all been a trick of editing, I will throw my phone through my television. I, I refuse to believe that they are anything other than happily married at this point. I Same. think that all of the bobbing and weaving they've done with previews to try and make us think the opposite is just like what you said, clever editing. And I don't think it's any surprise that they were, I believe, the two oldest people that came on this season. They're like 35 and 36 respectively, which means they were least inclined to be about some bullshit. At yes. least in my mind. Because you're right in the elaborate ruse of this show. is suppo- It's supposed to be this antidote to vain dating. When in actuality, <laughs> it allows you to do a, same, a different version of the same thing that happens on dating apps. Which is, you get to present whatever version of yourself you want. Like, nowhere yes. was that more evident than in the Marshall and Jackie relationship. Where Marshall, yes. guy with, you know, and I don't even say this to be mean. A very soft heart. Like he very much wanted <laughs> he to says treat her. He's a the, soft heart, right? I, like I, I'm, I'm taking his own words. The guy makes bomb ass pancakes. He seems to generally just want to be up in feelings with everybody, and that's awesome. But 
inside of the pods, he got to present as very stern, very straightforward. Once Josh started going for his lady, he walked in and said, you're not walking out with anyone but me. And so Jackie, who wanted all this confidence from him on the outside, got it when he was behind the wall. And you can focus on making sure you present that way. So it's the same thing we see, just kind of arranged differently than the outside world where we do that with whatever Instagram pictures or dating profile pictures we choose. Totally. Exactly. I, I also think that something interesting happened this season where two of the characters that I think we're supposed to think are the good ones are or the anti-villain in Marshall and Chelsea. I actually they drove me absolutely nuts. Ooh. I thought Marshall was like up on his high horse about like, I'm a nice guy and you're not. But then he asked Jackie to tell him what she wants, which is for him to be more assertive. And then he leaves the house for three days and then he comes back and he tells her she's a project. And I was like, I don't like any of this at all. He also has those eyes. He has, he looks at the way he looks at people. There's like a little bit of, is this man about to cry or is he like there there there's he seems always on the verge of a meltdown um i and and i just think that he uses his quote nice guyness as like a shield in a way to make jackie look really really bad um i also think that chelsea is an actor really like professionally or on this show both i think that she I, not professionally, like I don't think they brought in an actor. I think that she decided to go into this and to completely, she is living in a different reality from the reality that Kwame, her fiance, is living oh, in. Oh, I see. I think the thing they have in common is they're both doing a little bit of acting. Now, she's more committed to the part. Like Kwame's <laughs> like on SNL when people break down laughing and break character. That's where he's been at multiple points where she starts laughing and does something and he's like, stop doing that. Or he gets really defensive about Portland, which has been honestly the strangest part of this whole show. Charlotte, I've never been to Portland, but if I were to base my thoughts of Portland solely on how hard Kwame claims to want to hold on to soccer and running in that city, it must be God's gift to Earth. I d see, and I just, I can't help but think maybe it's not Portland, Kwame, or yeah. Quams, as Chelsea would call him. <laughs> maybe there's something else going I mean, she, the way that she speaks to the camera, there's an earnestness to her that is delusional, so delusional that it makes me uncomfortable. And then she's like, Kwame, you make me happier than anyone's ever made me. And we're all watching it being like, are you watching what we're watching? Because he keeps basically telling you he's probably going to leave you at the altar. Right. Like he has made this abundantly clear. If it weren't already him going and spending 40 minutes with Micah at the pool, the other woman he'd been interested in with the pods and having the most overtly flirtatious conversation I've ever seen a person have in front of their fiance. If that wasn't enough, then yes, the double stop signs he put up everywhere. And again, we don't know if it's an edit, but every time he's asked about it by his friends or one of the people we meet later, and he just starts laughing maniacally at the notion <laughs> that he's going to say yes, probably not a great sign. Probably not what you're no, looking for. No, I don't think that bodes well. I also think that they cut 
right before we hear Kwame's answer in the last episode, which probably means he said no. Because if they'd said yes, they probably would have had that wedding finish and then lead into another one to keep us watching. Um, I also, I have a logistical question for you, Mike, about this show, which is contractually, they have to show up at the weddings. Like that's what we've been told to believe this whole time, because otherwise why would couples who are so obviously falling apart agree to go through with it? But Marshall and Jackie, they just broke. They're just not well, well, remember, as far like, as we know. No, but I would say the same thing happened with uh, Zach and Arena. Like we had two couples on this show that called True. and quits at some point in the process beforehand. Now with Zach and Arena, it at least I'm sure there's some understanding that if you were involved with somebody else and there's that opportunity like Zach had with Bliss, they can still make content out of that. They can still now get it to the point where Zach and Bliss are getting ready to figure out if they're going to do this. But yeah, we had two couples this season, both pull the plug on it before we got to the altar, which I'm with you, I thought was taboo. Which I sort of love because it kind of makes you think, well, maybe there's a chance for these others if they're actually choosing to show up on their wedding day. That's the one thing is... And I heard some of the family members, like I think it was Kwame's sister, who, by the yeah. way, the if we're mean. power ranking family members that come into this, yes. Kwame's sister, number one overall pick. Impossibly sweet, charming, Barbara. funny. Barbara, that's her name, was an absolute joy on the screen. And so if we're going to power rank siblings and relatives, she's at the top. And she also said to him, you better do this because if you made me come all the way down here for this shit and don't pull the trigger, we're going to have a problem. That's my thought process. Like when I was on the back end of rosters trying to make teams, the one thing I dreaded was what I heard happened at some other training camps and different organizations, which there are places where on the final cut down day, they would practice you or lift you. (gasps) Like you would have to go and sweat on the company dime still. And then they would fire you that afternoon. I'm like, at least fire me before I get changed into compression shorts. That's the only would you ever do that, that. Right. why do they do that because some people want to watch the world burn i guess some oh people want to go God. and make all their family and friends come to a wedding and then leave on the altar so yes okay exactly amazing analogy because that's the exact right thing i that i think anybody who goes on this show has to be a narcissist i don't understand i don't i don't see any other maybe a mild narcissist but like i don't see any other unless you actually go through with it that's the cruelest thing to make your mom wear oh, a mother yeah. of the bride or mother of the groom dress to make your bride to make your friends wear like shitty bridesmaids dresses only to say no. Although I say this and then it's like, well, maybe those people just wanted to be on TV, too. So, you know, t- yeah. it, love is blind is a flat circle. I don't know. Absolutely. Uh, the one person that wasn't buying into any of that was Bliss's dad, who also, if we're going to talk, like, the guy oh agreed God. to come on the show only to shit on his daughter and Zach the entire time he was on camera. Like, in general, when it comes to the show, I try not to be too, too hard on anyone involved because we do the life right. in public thing, and there are a lot of people that say and do mean things and act like they're not people in the middle of all this. I get we all signed the social contract to do it, but I generally try and lead with a little bit of grace. He yes. was the one where I'm like, no, you're being a dick. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, I was I was half waiting for Bliss at some point as he's popping off about how this isn't going to work to be like, Dad, this is why Mom left you because you're acting like a dick on I, camera right same. now. Same. 
same. I was like, oh, well, I see why it didn't work out because your angel of a mother is sitting there and then and oh, and she starts crying because she's so right. happy. She I mean, was perfect. Yes, she was amazing. She was amazing. Also, I think it's pretty funny when the parents are like, you know what? It seems a little crazy, but we love you and we trust you. And I know she wouldn't be going through with this if she didn't really believe it. If my parents, if I were ever in that situation, which I will not be, if I were, and if my parents agreed to come on the show, which they wouldn't, they would be like, someone has brainwashed her, blink twice if you need help, let us extract you from whatever contract you signed without running it. Like, there would be no, there would be no, like, well, we trust you, like, no, and I guess that's the thing I had is my frustration with Bliss's dad was I appreciated his sentiment that this is an insane concept and that for her, his daughter specifically, that guy picked somebody else and then came back to you once he left the pods because of how that went in person. Red flags all over the place, but he had to do it in a very belittling way, in a way that I don't think was a father looking out for his daughter no. as much as in that moment it was a father trying to belittle his daughter for the decision she had made and belittle the entire concept of the show. There was a way to do that more tactfully because his sentiment isn't wrong like that's the way a parent should probably respond to this right but also then like don't go on the show or say it say it a little bit differently um i i also think that the environment of the show and i've talked about this on here with sports teams before about environment um determining individual action more than individual character does because when you start when you get into a situation and it's very hard to push back against those environmental factors i think these people all get very swept up in it there are cameras you feel important you're thinking about how you're i i don't think you i don't think these people are leading with what is going to be really embarrassing about this i think these people are leading with oh my god this is real we're doing it you buy into this construct that you only have four weeks to get married and you're being fed things i'm sure by like Reality TV is heavily produced. You're being told, I'm sure, to say certain buzzwords, to constantly be asking the other the question, do you think you're going to say yes to me? Like, some of this is what comes with the reality TV territory. Absolutely. That being said, Mike, now that we've said that this is a complete sham, who do you think, do you think anybody's going to last? Because I actually do. And I don't, I think some of these might not, I think it might not be a sham. So I think Brett and Tiffany are absolutely going to make it. Like, that one seems real to me. They have seemed comfortable and settled in the entire time. Even when we saw Tiffany stressed out around the wedding in the last episode, Mm -hmm. it was about normal wedding stress. Like, I've got to plan all these things for all these people in my life and do it in an insanely short timeline. So everything about them has made sense. The other one I weirdly think might work is Zach and Bliss. I just feel like that's... Oh, that's the one you were thinking of? Me too. I think that I also I also sneaky think that Paul and Micah might not get married, but might keep dating. I could see that. Paul's another one that's very married to his like space in life, and Micah has a friend who is uh, archetypal movie character best yes. friend who is yes. overprotective almost to a fault and trying to ruin the relationship because she wants to keep hanging out with her friend. Definitely to a fault. Definitely to a fault. I, I I also think that um, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, God, I just, 
I can't look away. I can't look away. They're doing a live reunion on Sunday night. And all all I can think about is nobody's ever addressed the fact that not only did Kwame and Micah flirt at the pool, they flirted at the get together like 10 days before the weddings where both of them were sort of like, kind of wish I'd said. It was yes Chelsea's birthday party. Yes. Oh, my God. It I was mean, his fiance's birthday party. What are we doing? That they were flirting at. Like, again, the red flags have been there everywhere along the way for that relationship. Also, I'd be remiss if I just didn't point out a couple of the things that were of note at, towards the end of the season. One is yeah. Josh, him showing Zach. up drunk to Chelsea's oh, birthday Josh. party yes. and talking to Jackie and that relationship now going the way it did. I didn't realize it until that episode, until I saw it, because he was pushing up on Marshall a little bit when he was drunk, kind of trying to test him. And I was like, why is Marshall doing something right? And then I saw Josh has cauliflower ear. And then I looked, <gasps> Josh was a wrestler at Ohio State, which means that is the last type of person on oh. earth you want to go and try and do anything. Once someone has got cauliflower ear, that's like seeing different nope. colored spots on a frog. Poison, <laughs> run away. This is for your safety. You don't want any parts with that. That's why there won't be any Josh Lander on this podcast, because I don't fuck with wrestlers and UFC fighters. That's just a rule. Oh. That's just a rule I live by. Mike, that is detective work. That is reality show reporting right there. Oh my, see, this is why you need sports people watching reality TV, talking about it, because you get insights you wouldn't get anywhere else. Nope, exactly. I'm not gonna say a word. I'm not gonna say a word about Josh. You know what I will say? Uh, we need more stone cold weirdos like Zach on reality television. Uh, the, uh, that, well, that brings me to the other thing that I could watch an entire side documentary about. And the problem with this show is it doesn't have the post-credit scenes like The Bachelor does, where you get right. to explore the bit of comic relief that happened in the episode. I want to know everything, absolutely <laughs> everything, about Zach's out samurai owl picture. Same. It is the most interesting thing that's happened on screen during this show. He's just got prominently displayed in his apartment two owls, one of which is reaching for a samurai sword, I believe cloaked by some lightning. <laughs> Charlotte, do you even begin to have any idea what that painting could be about? No, I don't. And, and he and he and Bliss, like his whole reason that he thinks he should marry this woman is that both of them like the song "I Hope You Dance" by Leanne Womack, which he keeps, con which he keeps trying to convince himself is not a popular song. Everybody knows that song. That is everybody's yearbook right. quote. Are you kidding me? And that both he and he and Bliss both their favorite animal is an owl. Those are those are a little bit thin if you're trying to build a life with somebody um but i will say that i think zach has gotten we've seen him get more comfortable like he's clearly comfortable with bliss he's getting more comfortable in front of the camera as time goes on and i sort of see he's less i think he was just super super nervous because he's a little more um I, I, I don't know the word because I, I don't want to be mean because I really do. I think that when he and Paul talk to each other about science and emotions, we need more of that on reality television. 100%. And you're right. He's gotten more comfortable. One, which is easier to do when the woman you're with actually wants to be around you. <laughs> and because Arena, again, was the she villain was of the series and was very, very cruel to that man on the island. Yeah. And he was definitely, island. he definitely like reciprocated that energy. It made him even more awkward, even though there will not be a more awkward reality television show moment than him singing his proposal to her in the pods. That was one of the more unhinged things I've seen. And that was, I thought it was going to be awkward when Kwame made up that song playing guitar. That completely blew it out of the water.
Here, no, I think nobody is giving Kwame a hard enough time. Everybody is ragging on Zach for for saying he made up a song that is actually a song by his favorite band, which he says was cut out of, he says he credited them and it was cut out of the episode in editing, which, okay, sure. Kwame was so off key, Mike. Oh, that was the, that was one, that was... <laughs> That was so bad. And then later in the up, later in the season, Chelsea's like, "I fell in love with you when you sang to me." And he was like, "Yeah, that was an awesome song." And I'm like, "Okay, we're not in the same plane of reality." I, I you know what, Kwame? If nothing else works out from this show, he needs to go work for the Portland Board of Tourism. That much I very <laughs> much know. So very excited to watch how this one ends. The uh, finale coming up Friday and the live reunion Sunday going to be fireworks. I think. I think I'm going to recap them the way I used to do The Bachelor for my Substack. So if anybody listening is interested in that or knows someone who might be interested in that, thewilderthings.substack.com. Tell somebody to tell somebody. Uh, tell a friend. And um, also make sure you stick around. Uh, we'll probably do a recap of that on Monday as well. I think we're going to have a guest come by to help us out with that. So stick with it. In the meantime, Charlotte, sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Time to land this plane here, finish off with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories on our way out of here uh, to get everyone going for the rest of their day. And let's start with this. Uh, shout out to the Cavender twins for calling it a career <laughs> at Miami. The two twins both announced that they're going to forego their fifth-year senior year, the extra year of eligibility they had because of the pandemic. Haley and Hannah Cavender, I, I think – basically said one was ready to retire and because so much of their basketball career had been about what they were doing together they decided they wanted to walk out together this whole journey had been about doing it together and so they're gonna go be young and rich now in Miami without having to worry about the physical toll of the sport which honestly nothing but love for my lady presidents on that I totally agree I saw that and I was like wow I think I said out loud I was like oh so they're just gonna be influencers and then I was like, what a brilliant plan. What an amazing plan to take a college basketball career and then turn it into millions and millions of dollars. Well, I mean. And, and think about, so they started off at San Diego State, right? Yeah. So they, they did. went to college in San Diego and Miami, mm -hmm. became millionaires, mm -hmm. and now are going to be millionaires without the physical toll of a sport. That's the dream. They did it. They beat the game. You know, Mike, I saw someone post, I, there, there was some on TikTok or Instagram say, too old to be a TikTok star 
too young to be able to afford a house, exactly the right age to be able to spend 50 cents on a ringtone for my Nokia brick. And I'm not sure I've ever identified with anything more than that. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, that hurt me in places I wasn't prepared to explore in this podcast. Uh, So congratulations to the Cavenders. Uh, We'll keep seeing that content out there. We're rooting for you. Charlotte, speaking of people who uh, just keep finding ways to have good things happen to them, let's get to that. Cliff Kingsbury, going back to (laughs) California, uh, it was announced that the former Arizona Cardinals head coach, who was, before he got that job, the USC (laughs) head coach, now gets uh, our uh, head coach or offensive coordinator. I need to go back and double check that. But either way, he is now going back to the University of Southern California as an offensive analyst under Lincoln Riley, who was actually his backup quarterback when they were at Texas Tech under Mike Leach together. Guy just continues to have friends in all of the right and very warm places. Tell me about it. I mean, he comes back from Thailand and he's like, Lincoln, this is how I imagine it going. Cliff comes back from Thailand, gives Lincoln a call, because I think Cliff called Lincoln. This is my this is my fan fiction of this situation. Lincoln answers. He's like, hey, Cliff, see you're getting roasted for going to Thailand, but also kind of congratulated. And Cliff's like, yeah, I'm trying to stay in a warmer climate. And there's a silence. And Lincoln's like, you know what? Come on over. Come on. It, it, we'll make it work. We'll, we'll figure out a title later. Those two guys had to live in Lubbock together. Like, yeah, so they've earned this. They they know, and so now they're going to make sure maybe there was a pact along the way similar to when like <laughs> a guy and a girlfriend in college are like, well, you know, if we're not married by the time we're 35, we'll just get married to each other. These two guys are like, if we're not in a comfortable head coaching position by the time yep. we're hot and in our early 40s, we'll just go and hang out in Los Angeles together. And I was right. It was Cliff as the offensive coordinator under Clay Helton before he then took the Arizona head coaching job after after being fired by Texas Tech. All yeah. of this is one incredible glow up after another for Cliff Kingsbury. So uh, congratulations to him for just keeping on keeping on. Congrats to Cliff. And also in in anticipation of the draft, I, I would just like to say that I hope we get another photo of a head of a hot head coach in a beautiful home, the way the Cardinals tweeted out of Cliff in his home that looked like he looked like he was like Nicole Kidman's young boyfriend in Big Little Lies or something. And I just hope that if anybody who works for a team is listening, can you please provide us with content similar to that? I want Dan Campbell in a cutoff eating yep. like cowboy ribeyes just with his bare hands. That's or the draft. just sitting in a truck. Right, like instead of having him, because that the aesthetic you described would probably, like I'm trying to think of what current NFL head coach, Sean McVay likes to fancy himself that way. He's certainly the one with LA in proximity would be able to do that. But besides them, maybe Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. Like I know you don't think of plush villas in Green Bay. No, but he's he definitely, definitely got the look. has a nice home. Yeah, he's got the look. He's, there's, a, there's a den, there's a man cave somewhere that he could be photographed in i just want dan campbell in an actual lion's den with live lions (laughs) i feel like he would be so fucking down for that i want to photoshop dan campbell's head onto like siegfried and roy (laughs) i want to photoshop dan campbell's head onto thor's body because that's how i feel about him i agree i agree oh he's an absolute absolute god king but uh yeah in the meantime cliff kingsbury going to go and get to hang out with caleb williams now too like 
yeah, somewhere I, along the line between the overwhelming caucasity of the situation and maybe just good, clean living <laughs> on Cliff's part, he keeps finding his way into these spots. So God love him. Someone's having a good time. And that someone is always going to be Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Charlotte, let's get to the third. Yes. Um, <laughs> Charles Barkley. Oh, God. Says a lot of wild shit on television. Yep. This is maybe the wildest thing I've ever heard Charles say. So Lay it on me. Charles was on the podcast that he does with Ernie Johnson, the steam room, where it's just the two of them cutting it up <laughs> and starts talking about his travel habits. And he mentions to Ernie that <laughs> he chooses to travel with his own bar of soap. And Ernie, being the consummate professional that he is, pumps the brakes there and asks him, why would you do that? Is the hotel soap not good enough for you? What's wrong with the hotel soap they provided there at the places you're going to be staying? And Charles goes on to tell a story about how apparently at one point, as he's vigorously washing his body, because the hotel soap bars are so small, it almost got lost. And... Ernie and the guys on Inside the NBA all asked him where Chuck had got lost. No, like, did Charles Barkley almost shove a bar of soap up his ass? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I, it sounds like. In his defense, they can be very thin. But I, So I guess not in his defense, though. When does a bar of soap go in that close to that particular place? Like, there's a whole washcloth conversation to then have as a part of this. Like, I'm just wondering I I, why the little... Because I get it. Those little square bars. Absolutely. But do we really need to be that deep in what we're doing in order to go through with this? I don't think we do. But I do think that Charles Barkley is one of one. I think that that man is... He's doing something different from the rest of us because it's it's working out for him too. So I, the reason that I'm sort of laughing as you tell the story, Mike, is because I have a very embarrassing thing to admit, which I didn't know was embarrassing until I heard the story, which has nothing to do with taking with the actual act of taking a shower. So everybody get your head out of the gutter. It it has to do with the fact that I actually bring my own bar of soap with me when I travel. So what is your justification for it then? Thankfully, it's not the same reason as Charles, it's, but what is yours? No, I'm not accidentally shoving soap on my ass. Which, by the way, but, when we were texting about this and I said, Charles Barkley did this, Charlotte said, oh my God, I do too. And then thankfully clarified, bring a bar of soap with me on the road. So we had that scare earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike and Brandon are like, oh my God, why do we have this girl on our podcast? Um, no, I do bring my own bar of soap because I have sensitive skin and sometimes soap makes me break out in hives um, just all over my arms and my chest. And it's it happened to me once in St. Louis and I learned my lesson and now I travel with Dove sensitive soap. Honestly, that's a very reasonable justification, and it's not like soap is a huge ad. Like, it's one of those no. things you can easily throw into a toiletry kit, and it's not yes. that big a deal. So, I mean, is that the weirdest thing you do when traveling? Because that's not too bad. No. No, I do. So. <laughs> oh, boy. Mike's putting his oh, hand no. over his face. So, I think because I traveled so much, um, I got into, like, weird little routines. Like, before I get on a plane... Uh, first of all, I bring a fanny. So you're only allowed, I assume most people know this, um, one, two carry-on items. Like one of the bigger, I carry a rolly guy and I have a medium bag that like fits on top of that and 
latches onto the handle, which is very convenient. And I think sports writers and sports people in general pride themselves on never having to check a bag, um, which I do. I never check a bag. It's a point, it's point oh, of pride. Charlotte, it is my dad's sole goal in life. His number one complaint Every time yeah. he's getting ready to leave the house, and my poor mother has to listen to this every time, <laughs> as he picks up an objectively small bag and goes, oh, too heavy. I wish I could get yeah. more out of this. He's always trying to pack the least amount of clothing humanly possible. So I think I, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just becoming closer and closer to dad energy all the time. And this uh, just corroborates that. But I also sneak in a fanny pack. I put a fanny pack mm. on and then I always wear a big coat or shirt jacket or something. And then I slide the fanny pack around to the back. So the buckles in the front, pull the jacket over it and I sneak on an extra bag. What in do you addition put in the to that, extra bag? Like what's like, is it, is it just normal shit in there? Is it snacks? It's yes. It's snacks. It's my ID without the wallet. Oh. I take the ID out of the wallet, put it in the front part of the fanny pack. Um, it's, glasses case it's phone it's all the little things that i need access to that i don't want to have to go dig in a bag for and another weird thing i do is the minute i get to an airport i buy two liter bottles of water and i put a hydration packet into one of them and i leave the other one plain and i try to finish the hydration one and half of the other one before i get off the plane you gotta be an aisle sitter then no it's worse i just make people get up Oh my God, you monster! <laughs> I'm, I am a menace. I'm a menace. What, everybody, watch out if you're ever in an airport or on a plane with me. See, normally people, if we were both walking onto a plane, would be nervous <laughs> that I was going to be their seatmate just because I'm so wide. When in actuality, if they're an aisle seat, they should be staring you down as the person they don't want to be with. I'm a nightmare, Mike. I'm an absolute. I am. I am trouble. That being said, I don't mind hydration in transit, Charlotte. I was going to say you sound like a combine yeah. athlete because going through <laughs> pro day training, I, I'm I not even not making the this up. Part of this thing. What like when I went through pro day training, Charlotte? They gave us these specific packets that we were supposed to like hydration packets. Mm -hmm. Drink this while you're flying there because you dehydrate at altitude and you're trying to maintain a certain hydration level leading up to the big day. So you're just a high level athlete. I'm a high I'm a high level athlete. I'm a high level performer. I'm trying to show up everywhere as my best self and everybody knows to do that you have to drink a lot of water and make people in the aisle seat get up at least 3 times per flight. Hell yeah. That's words to live by. Poetry and You know how I've called how I've called Aaron Rodgers an agent of chaos when it comes to like media and and football and everything he does that's not on the field. That's me in transit. Well, if you're an agent of podcast chaos and you've made it to this point with us, God love you, God keep you. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. chat, chat tab there. Check out thewilderthings.substack.com for more great things like drama and sports and next week's Love is Blind Season 4 Live Reunion Recap. Thanks so mm -hmm. much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.